was Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. We killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? Welcome to the second installment in the I Am series, whereas you saw right there in the video, we are trying to answer the most important question that in the world. The only question that really matters, as you saw in the video, is the answer to the question is, who is Jesus? And your eternity hangs in the balance, but as we saw last week, it's not even just your eternity, but your life on this earth. And the quality of your life, the hope of your life, depends on how you answer this question. So what we're trying to do here in this series, instead of listening to everybody else tell us who Jesus is, we're going to the man himself. We're going to Jesus, and we're listening to his words. Because Jesus, when he was on this earth, seven times in the Gospel of St. John, he said an I am statement. He said, I am, and then he filled in the blank. And we're going through five of those statements. Last week, we looked at the biggest one of them all, the most important one of them all, and the hardest to believe of them all, which is I am the resurrection. And we saw last week that the resurrection of Jesus is not my opinion or my belief. It's a historical fact that when you understand that this man who lived, died, buried, rose from the dead, if he could do that, then everything else is true. And if he couldn't do that, then nothing else is true. The resurrection is, what I will say, it's, it's the, 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 the hinge upon which everything is based. Like we saw last week, if the resurrection is true, nothing else matters. And if the, re if the resurrection isn't true, nothing else matters. Because if he can do that, then I need to go back and see everything else that he said. I bet you he can do that as well. What we're going to look at today is the next of the I am statements, which is when Jesus said, as you see right there, I am the good shepherd. 
Last week we saw, when Jesus said, I am the resurrection, we saw the power of Jesus, okay? And we saw the might of him. And we saw that he is God because he said that I can do what no other person can do, and no one else can do that. But what separates Jesus, in my humble opinion, from every other God, from every other powerful person out there, is what we're going to see here today. Because a lot of people, even though Jesus is the only one who can back up his words, a lot of people will claim to have power. But what they do with that power shows their true inner character. What we're going to see today is when Jesus says, I have power, and I put my money where my mouth is, and I show you I have power, now let me show you what I want to do with that power. And that is, as it says in John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd, and my greatest desire as a good shepherd is to give my life for the sheep. Most people who claim power don't say this sentence. Most people who claim power say, I'm the most powerful one, you give your life for me. Jesus said the opposite. And this is, like I said, what makes him different than any other ruler out there, any other person. Look, just so we're clear, especially in the, in the landscape of the world, everyone starts off as a good guy. But power corrupts everyone. And anyone who has power, even though they may start off a certain way, eventually ends up saying, I have power, you bow to me, you die for me. Jesus was the only one who said, I have all the power, and I'll prove to you I have all the power, and I'm going to show you what I'm going to do with that power, is I'm going to give myself for you and for your sake. That's why, like I said, this picture of the good shepherd is my favorite picture in the Bible. Everyone has a different, like we all have different relationships with God. It's personal, it's unique, just like you have different relationships with people. Some people, God to them, okay, the almighty God, that's like a big picture for them, like some people like to see God as like the ruler over the stars and the universe and the sky. Some people love that. Some people love Jesus of the Samaritan woman. So sweet, so grace, so kind, so forgiving, so compassionate. That's like, that's who their Jesus is. Mine is good shepherd. And I have this picture in my bedroom, this exact picture, just like this. And I love this picture. Because this is who my God is to me. He's my shepherd. He's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. As long as I'm in the arms of the shepherd... I don't got nothing to worry about in life. And people ask me, how can you be not stressed out? How come you're low stress? It's because of this picture. Because we understand this picture, and you learn to live this picture, and you learn that everywhere you go is this picture. Life becomes a lot easier to deal with. I promise you of that. He's the shepherd. We're the sheep. His desire is to give his life for the sheep. My desire is to receive that life that he is giving for the sheep. Because as a sheep, there's nothing that I need more than a shepherd to give me life. And we're going to see that today. Today we're going to talk about what it means to be a sheep. But before we go into the spiritual part, sheep, we need to understand a little bit about sheep. Sheep are commonly believed to be the dumbest animal on the planet. All right? Now, here's what we're going to do today. I decided that sometimes I try to plan some jokes to keep it light for you guys, okay? Today, I planned bad jokes. Because I discovered that telling a bad joke and setting the expectation right off the bat is much easier than trying to set the expectation high of a funny joke. So here's what it's going to do. I'm going to say sheep are so dumb, and you're going to say, how dumb are they? Ready? Okay? So sheep are so dumb. Well, I'm glad you asked. Sheep are so dumb that one time there was two sheep walking down the road. And the two sheep fell into this ditch. And then they fell in the ditch and they couldn't get themselves out of the ditch. So the one sheep started screaming, help, help. Nobody heard him. Sheep started screaming again, 
help, help. Nobody heard him. So the second sheep says, hey, maybe it'd be more effective if we scream together. So the first sheep says, together, together. <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Sheep are dumb. Sheep are the dumbest animal alive. And you know sheep are dumb. You don't need to be an intelligent person. All you need to do is go to the circus. You go to the circus. How many have ever seen to train sheep? You ever see sheep tricks, sheep acts? Like you can find any animal in the circus they can train. Train an elephant, train a dog, train a lion, train a tiger, train a monkey, even fleas. They have like a flea circus, okay? But you ain't never seen sheep in a circus. You ain't never seen sheep doing tricks. You ain't never seen anyone say, hey, look what this sheep can do. Sheep, their moment of glory, all they live for is the Christmas pageant every year. That's like their one shining moment. That's all they got. And all they do is they sit there because sheep are the dumbest animal alive. And interestingly enough, the Bible, more than 200 times, refers to us as sheep. Now, I ain't that bright, but God, are you trying to send a message? God is trying to send a message. And God is trying to tell you that you're no better than a dumb sheep. Why? Let me tell you four things about sheep that maybe you can relate to. Sheep get lost very easily. All the husbands in the room are saying, amen, okay? Get lost very easily. Oftentimes, sheep, they're easily distracted, and they're on their way somewhere, and then, oop, look at that cute little thing, and then they start going over this way, next thing you know, they're lost. Or they say, hey, this is exactly what I want, I need to drink this, and then they get distracted by a little bug, and then they follow that bug forever. Sheep very easily get lost, easily lose their way. There's a verse in the Bible, book of Isaiah, famous verse, says, we all, like sheep, have gone astray, have lost our way. Sheep get lost easily. Sheep, number two, are defenseless. Every animal, again, on this earth has some way to protect and defend themselves except sheep. Cats have claws. Bees have stingers. Uh, deer and, and rams have, like, the, the horn things, okay? Even, like, an animal that has nothing like a gazelle, at least they have speed. They can run out the way. Even a little squirrel. Okay, a squirrel can't do nothing, but a squirrel has some instincts that you drive right up to it and it, booms, pops right out of the way. You can never hit them little guys because they have them instincts to jump out of the way. But a sheep, completely defenseless, has no way to protect itself whatsoever. Sheep are really dumb. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, you know what happens when you attack a sheep? They can't fight back. They just say, back up. I told you they're bad. <laughs> I warned you in advance. I fulfilled my promise, okay? Point is, is that sheep in a fight lose every time. And the sheep, their best bet is to stay amongst each other, but as soon as they go outside, they're in trouble. Sound like anybody you know that any time there's any attacks, that any time the devil tries to sneak something, that even the smallest thing can trip them up? Number three, sheep get lost easily. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are stubborn. Now, all the uh, husbands who said amen to the first one, all your wives say amen right now. <laughs> sheep are stubborn. And what I've noticed as a sheep myself is that stubborn and stupid are a bad combination. <laughs> one by itself can be dealt with, but when you add the two together, sheep are so dumb, since you asked, no, this one's not a joke, but I just wanted you to do it one more time. True story. This is true about sheep, and it's funny, but it's true. A sheep, when they're walking, they're so dumb that sometimes sheep, they walk between two rocks. 
and they get like stuck in between there and they can't squeeze through. But a sheep is so dumb that instead of hitting the reverse, they keep trying to go forward and they just further and further lodge themselves in. And you want to say, just hit reverse and go around. But sheep aren't like that. They're so dumb and so stubborn, they're going to get themselves through there one way or the other. Doesn't sound like anybody you know, right? Doesn't sound like anybody you know who makes the same mistake and then says, I'm going to get my way through there. Same mistake and tries to force their way through. Doesn't sound like anyone we know, right? Lost job after job after job after job after job. Well, I wonder why my career isn't successful or my bosses just are mean. Fail this class, fail this class, fail this class. I wonder if I should change my study habits. We do the same thing over and over. We try to butt our way through them rocks because we are like sheep. Lastly, but not leastly, sheep are downright filthy. Do not believe the pictures that you see on the TV about sheep and they're all pearly and white and fluffy. Those sheep must have been power washed before the commercial. Real sheep, if you've ever been to a petting zoo or seen a real sheep, they are disgusting. They're the most disgusting animal because they're too dumb to know how to clean themselves. This one I'm a little offended at, God. Like, okay, you said I get lost easily. You said I'm kind of weak and defenseless. You said I'm stubborn. But you tell me that I'm filthy? Why would God tell me that I'm filthy? Why would 200 times in the Bible God say, you see that filthy animal? That's you. It's not out of, out of, out of like, rudeness or, 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 like, hatred towards us. It's out of honesty. The truth is, is that compared to a holy God, a perfect God, you are filthy. And all of us here on this planet, all of us here on this planet, we, when we're down here, we look at each other and say, that's a saintly man, and that's a bad man, and that's a this man, that's a, and we judge ourselves. All of us in God's eyes are filthy. None of us can stand before God and say, I'm good or I'm better. You know what it's like? It's exactly like here on this earth, you have big buildings and little buildings. You have skyscrapers and little shacks. And you say, oh, wow, look at the big difference between that and that. You go up to where God sits. Go up in an airplane. Go up at 50,000 feet and look down. What's the difference between a skyscraper and a little shack? Nothing. This and this. And all of a sudden, the big giants and the little guys, they all look the same from God's perspective. None of them can reach him. Here on this earth, we get confused. Say, oh, wow, that's a big, and I'm just a little guy. Look, from God's perspective, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there's not much difference. Ladies and gentlemen, that's who God says you are. You're a sheep. You know what this tells me? You know what sheep need? Sheep need a shepherd. You know what we need? We need a shepherd. You know what sinners need? A savior. Because without one, it isn't going to go very well for these sheep. Anytime a sheep, anytime a sheep on his own has no chance of survival. No chance of survival. You're never going to find a sheep. Like you're never going to hear, the sheep ran away from the zoo and he's been gone. Like the sheep ran away from the zoo, he's dead. The sheep ran away from the zoo, he's dead. Sheep, you don't find sheep wandering around the street. A sheep cannot take care of himself, cannot feed himself, cannot protect himself. Sheep can't do anything for himself. That sheep sees the shepherd, says, oh, thank you, God. That's us. My prayer for today is that some of us, today, some of us, and I'm praying that some of us today 
who are wandering around this life like sheep without a shepherd, fending for ourselves and failing every time, trying to figure out where to go, but we're always confused, trying to be clean and trying to be good. But the more I try, the more I'm filthy. My prayer is that today, that some of us could look eye to eye with the shepherd and say, thank you, shepherd. You don't know how much I needed you. Let's talk about the shepherd now. We talked about the sheep. Let's talk about the shepherd. Best passage in the Bible to talk about the shepherd is a psalm written by King David, Psalm 23, the good shepherd psalm. We'll read it right now, then we'll break it down. This talks about who the shepherd is. King David says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup, over, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to break down this psalm, and I want to look at four qualities of the good shepherd. Based on this, and based on what Jesus said in John chapter 10, four qualities of the good shepherd. Number one quality of the good shepherd is that he guides. Say it with me. He guides. He, he guides. As it says right there, he leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Worst feeling in the world. What's the worst position to be at in life? Many people come to me and say, Father Anthony, I need to talk. Father Anthony, I got a problem. Father Anthony, whatever, whatever, whatever. Worst position to be in. Confused. Don't know where to go. If you got a problem and you know the solution and it's just a matter of effort, that's okay. I can deal with that. Worst is, do I go that way or do I go that way? Do I take that job or do I take that job? Do I go to this city or do I, like, what do I do? That confusion is exactly like driving a car. When the light turns yellow, either go or stop. Don't hesitate. Hesitate means somebody's going to get injured and it could be fatal. Same thing in life. Worst position to be in life is you don't know where to go. You don't know what to do. I make this decision, do I make that? Confused, in need of guidance. Wouldn't it be great if in the middle of a very complex life with many decisions about which school, what major, what career, what boy, what girl, what city, what all these decisions, wouldn't it be great if I just had somebody just tell me, do this, do this, like wouldn't that be the best? Answer, you have some. Good Shepherd says this in John 10 verse 3. To him, a doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And, he, when he, and when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Two times in this passage, Jesus says that the sheep will hear the voice of the shepherd. He will lead them. They'll follow. Everything will be fine. He'll take care of them. They'll hear his voice, and they'll know what they should do. So it's just easy like that. Just listen to the voice of God. Easy, right? Simple. If you're confused, just listen to what the shepherd tells you. Easy, right? Easy. How do we hear the voice of God? Does God just speak? Does God just, God, you know, like, I'm God, this is what you should do. Is that what God does? Like deep, kind of like a Morgan Freeman kind of thing? Does God speak audibly like that? Does he? Yes or no? We're never going to say no. Because, yes, God can speak audibly if he wants to. God can speak through, through anything he wants. Like God can speak through a Broadway show if he wants. Like, God, he's God. 
We're never going to say, no, God doesn't. Yes, God can speak audibly if he wants, but that's not at all the majority of the way he does. That's the small exception to the rule, but I can't say God doesn't speak audibly. Sometimes he does. But the vast majority of the time, he doesn't speak audibly. How does he speak? How do I know his voice? Well, when you are a sheep, the promise is that if you're a sheep, you know his voice. And when you're a sheep, you'll hear his voice through his word, through the circumstances of your life, through a good friend, through uh, um, a, a message that you got in a sermon or in a Bible study or in a book. You will, the, me, the, the promise of God here is, is that you will hear my voice when you seek my voice and you seek the shepherd. Now you say, that's intangible, that's vague, that's difficult. I say this. Let's say I walked into a room. And let's say my wife is in that room along with 50 other women. So my wife is in a room with 50 women. Okay, 50 women in a room together are probably doing what? Talking, okay. 50 men in a room are probably doing what? Nothing, okay. <laughs> TV probably is on. I mean, 50 women in a room are probably talking, okay. You walk in that room, and there's 50 women talking. Can you pick out my wife's voice? Probably not. Can I pick out my wife's voice? Absolutely. I heard my wife talk plenty of times. You can't, I can you can't, I can. Why? Two reasons why you can't pick out my wife. One, you don't know her. Or two, you don't spend enough time with her. You don't know her, or you don't spend enough time with her. I know her, and I spend plenty of time with her. I walk into a room, I hear 50 voices, I know which one is my wife. You don't hear the voice of God. God promises to speak. You can't hear it. One of two problems. You don't know God, or you don't spend enough time with her. Our problem is we're not committed to spending time with God to hear his voice. We just want to hear his voice. And what I'm saying is if I want to be able to walk into a room and discern the voice of God, discern the voice of God in my gut, discern the voice of God in my circumstances, I need to spend more time with him. And if I ain't committed to spending more time with him, I ain't probably not going to be very good at discerning his voice. The good shepherd calls each one of us by name. Can you hear his voice? Can you discern his voice? Calls us by name. Doesn't shout out, hey, people, do good stuff. That's not the good shepherd. He doesn't shout out, hey, don't do bad stuff. That's not the good shepherd. He calls each by name. He goes to this guy, says this. He goes to this guy, says he goes. Each one calls him by name. You know the power of calling someone by name? You know the power of calling someone by name? True story that I, I heard from another pastor. He said this story. He was one day in church. As a preacher man, okay, you meet a lot of people. And people's names, obviously, are important to them. But one of the greatest struggles, and I pray for, I am not good with names. And if I remember anybody's name, it's just the grace of God. But honestly, God gives grace sometimes. And there have been times, like, I'll tell you this story. This is not my story. It's his story. But I can confirm this has happened to me in similar ways. Is that sometimes you'll meet someone, you have no idea their name. You know you've met them before. And you just look up, and then God just, boop. Joe. Jim. Ed. Whatever it is. Like, the name just, boom. Shoots out. And this pastor said he was in a similar situation. Someone was coming to greet him. He had no idea the girl's name, but he knew he'd met her before. And he'd passed the point where he could ask her what her name is. Like, you can only do that so many times. And he greeted her, and he said, whatever name, Sarah. Okay, it was a girl. Hey, Sarah. She broke down in tears. He thought Im immediately, uh-oh, I messed up her name. 
Like, and like, she hates my guts now because I messed up her name. And she said, no, it's the exact opposite. And she said, this is what she said. She said, you know, I came to church today for one reason. I had given up on God. I had given up on church. I had given up on life. And I said, I'm going to give God one more chance to see if he cares about me. See if anybody cares about me. And I came. I greeted you. And you said, hey, Mary or Sarah or whatever. You know the power of the good shepherd saying, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And he puts your name in there. And he calls each one of us by name to guide us and to lead us. Not to say, go over there. Say, hey, you, let's sit down. Let's talk about life. I don't think that this is the best way to go through it. You say, well, God, but I can't. He says, no, no, I got a plan for you. I'm not just going to tell you don't do it. I'm going to got a plan for you. Let's go step by step. I want you to do this. Then I want you to do this. You know what? Our God, there's nothing too big for him. There's also nothing too small for him. One of the verses that I love in the Bible is 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. This is a question sometimes I get. Okay, is it really possible? Like, should we pray for dumb little things? Like, do I, am I supposed to pray for every dumb little thing? Like, um, do I uh, buy this car or this car? Well, that's not a little thing. That's a big thing. Okay, that's a big thing to me, at least. Do I pray about, should I um, go out to lunch here or go out to lunch here? Does God even care about stuff like that? Does God care if I buy uh, these shoes or these shoes? Does God care? And sometimes people are like, this, this is dumb little things. Now, we pray for, like, salvation. We pray for, like, you know, like, uh, persecuted Christians. We pray for, like, big stuff like that. We don't pray for dumb things like, which shoes should I buy? What's the answer to that question? Do I pray about which shoes to buy or not pray about which shoes to buy? Here's what I'll say. Can I say that God has, like, the will of God is, is this pair of heels versus those pair of flats? And never say something like that, like, your salvation is dependent upon it. What I will say is that I have a father who cares about me. And because my father cares about me, if it's important to me, it's important to him. I'm a dad. I have two kids. There's nothing that my kids, there's nothing my kids will ask me that I have no opinion on. If my kid asks me, hey, dad, should I buy these shoes or these shoes? I got an opinion. Especially when I see the price tag, I have a clear opinion. If my kid asks me, should I hang out with this guy or hang out with this guy? I got an opinion. I'm not saying I'm going to disown you if you go there or disown you if you go there. I'm not saying it's salvation related. What I'm saying is let's have a relationship. I'm your dad. I'm your shepherd. Like, we're supposed to go hand in hand. You don't just check in. I'm not just God of the universe. I'm good shepherd. Remember the picture in the beginning, the sheep? Or this little cute little picture right here. This is, this is God with us. And sometimes you find, and I'll tell you where you see this is with kids. Sometimes a kid come, like, to confession. They sit with you and say, oh, this boy. And they, they make the biggest deal about it. This is this dumb little thing. I'm going to be like, who cares? Doesn't matter. Okay? I promise you, doesn't matter. I don't talk to any of my friends from elementary school. I hate them. They hate me. Like, I promise you. It doesn't matter. But it matters to them. It matters to God. I promise you it matters to God. I promise you it matters to God because it matters to them. And no father's going to look at his kid and say, who cares? It doesn't matter. If it matters to them, it matters to him. And I'm saying there's nothing where you can't cast all your care upon him. He's the good shepherd. He's my daddy. He has an opinion on everything. Dads have an opinion on everything, <laughs> don't they? You have a job question. You go to your daddy and sit, sit you down and tell you you want to know what to, to, to do with your money. You sit your, your dad sits you. He's got an opinion on everything. Your good shepherd has an opinion on everything. We cast all our care upon him. Why this is the amount of pressure that can be relieved off your life when you learn to seek guidance from the shepherd. I'm anti-stress in life. I don't believe in stress. 
okay? And, and neither does God. God does not want us to live a stressed out life. He wants to relieve that from us. We'll get more into that later. First one, he guides. Number two, he provides. Say it with me. He provides. Verse one and two. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes my lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. King David says that when God is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know what that means? It means on my Christmas list, my letter to Santa, blank. Nothing. Nothing on my wish list. I got everything I want. You got everything you want? You don't got anything that you want. Don't you want this one? I got my shepherd. I don't need nothing else. Who can say that? None of us can say that. King David could say that because when he's my shepherd, the, the sheep in the arms of the shepherd, I don't need nothing else. Then he goes on and he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Think about that for one second. What does it mean that a sheep lies down? It's not often that you see, like, a, like, like this picture. I don't know where this picture came from, right? I mean, I know it came from Google Images, but I, I don't know where, like, where the person drew it from. You don't often see a sheep or an animal in the wild lying down. Like, usually they're up. They're doing stuff. It's very rare to see lie down. What does lie down, like, imply? When you see a sheep like this, what does that mean he's lying down? I see two things that it means. Number one, he's well-fed, okay? He's not hungry. He's not looking for anything. Like, he's content where he is. And number two, he's protected. For the sheep to lie down like this means that I feel, <sighs> means that I feel totally taken care of. And that's what Jesus says. He says, I'm the shepherd, and my sheep, I lead them to a place where they can lie down green pastures besides still waters. Why still waters, not rushing waters? Because a sheep, remember, not the sharpest knife in the, in the drawers. A sheep, if there's rushing waters, you're going to try to take a drink and he's going to fall in. Then he's going to, big cotton ball floating down the river. Sheep need still waters. And that's the way our good shepherd is. He says, no, 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 I know that you can't take those big waters. It leads you to some still waters. And the still waters be perfect exactly what you need to give you satisfaction. And then it says after that, he restores my soul. Why is that important? He restores my soul. Because what he's saying right there is, I don't just take care of you outside. I take care of you inside too. The shepherd doesn't just care about your needs and your outside stuff. I take care of your inside stuff. And you know, like I know, that when you are in the arms of the good shepherd, you can have chaos and all hell breaking loose around you and be in perfect peace. Can't you? I love this verse. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What's that peace of God that surpasses all understanding? That's the good shepherd. And you know, when you're in the arms of the good shepherd, like I said, chaos around you, stress around you, all hell breaking loose around you, but you can find peace inside. And you know when you're not in those arms, no matter what happens on the outside, you'll always be upside down inside. First thing that the shepherd does is the shepherd, shepherd guides. Number two, he provides. Number three, he corrects. You knew there had to be one negative one in there. He corrects. Now I know on the surface, he corrects us doesn't sound like a 
advantage. Doesn't sound like a benefit. But the one who is mature, the one who is mature understands that you need the correction of God. And the correction is not a bad thing, it's a good thing. Who understood this? guy named Job in the Old Testament said the following in Job chapter 5, verse 17. Blessed is the one whom God corrects, so do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. It takes a lot of spiritual maturity to be able to say what Job said. It's not an easy thing to be able to say that when God corrects me, when God disciplines me, when God smacks me on the hand, when God doesn't give me the toy I want, and when God puts me in a bad position to say, you know what, I will not resist it, I will not despise it, but I will thank God. Because as a child to a parent, the sheep to the shepherd will ultimately appreciate the correction of God. Back to the psalm. The psalm about the good shepherd said, your rod and your staff comfort me. What's the rod and the staff? A shepherd has two tools, a rod and a staff. Staff is easy. What does a staff do? What does a shepherd do with a staff? That's how he guides them. That's how he leads them. Because he holds it up high and everybody can see him. So the sheep, okay, they learn to follow the guy with the stick. So he holds it up high and he walks because he can't, you know, be in front of all of them. So he holds the stick up and they're supposed to follow that stick. The staff is a symbol of his guidance. What's the rod? The rod is a symbol of his discipline, of his correction. But King David says, even your rod comforts me. How can that be? I was reading a little bit about sheep and how shepherds work with them. This is true. I never knew this before. Sheep, like I said in the beginning, get lost easily. They get distracted. They wander off. Sheep wandering is very dangerous for a sheep. They can, like I said, get stuck between two rocks. They can fall off a cliff because they can get attacked by wolves. Like sheep wandering is like a child walking into the city. A child with me in New York City walking down the sidewalk, jumping into the street is like a sheep wandering off by itself. It's dangerous. I, as the parent, cannot allow my child. I can do whatever it takes to make sure that child doesn't go off in the street for his own sake. Shepherd is the same with a sheep. So what happens when a sheep wanders off? Shepherd has to teach him a lesson. Pulls out his rod. Beats the sheep on the leg to the point of injuring the leg of the sheep. Like he doesn't break the leg, but he hurts him pretty bad where the sheep can no longer walk. The sheep are like limping around. They say, hey, wait a minute. Where's PETA? Like where's animal rights going on here? This sounds pretty cruel. What's going on? How we allow shepherds to beat the sheep? How could God, how could God injure me like this, cause this negative in my life, cause me to suffer like this, and then tell me he's a loving God? I reject that kind of loving God. You know what the shepherd does after he injures the sheep like that? Sheep can't walk. So what does he do with the sheep? Just leave him there? He carries the sheep. That's why you see a lot of times pictures of the good shepherd like this. That's a sheep that wandered off. Shepherd, because he loves him, hit him on the leg. Sheep couldn't walk. So what does the shepherd do? Carries him. What happens when the shepherd is carrying his sheep now? What is the sheep hearing very, very close up while he's being carried on the shoulders? What is he listening to? The voice of the shepherd. A 
until he learns to discern his voice, to hear his voice, and to obey his voice. Hebrews 12.11 No chastening seems joyful, joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I always say, what's the difference between a mature person and an immature person? Maturity is the ability to face consequences. Immature, don't face consequences. That I want to be able to do what I want, throw a hissy fit and a temper tantrum, and I can't accept anything. A mature person, God gives them a consequence. And a spiritually mature person says, this chastening stinks. It's the worst thing ever. But I know it's going to be the best thing ever. And I accept the chastening of God. And I accept the smack on the leg. And I say, even though, oh man, this hurts. But I say, God, I know it's going to be the best thing for me. Parents and kids, you get this. If you're a parent, you get this. Okay, because sometimes you have to injure your child where that child's going for the stove. You may have to tackle them to the ground. And if they end up scraping their knee, so be it. They scraped their knee. They kept their hand off the stove. You may have to, to, to tie a leash around your kid to keep him from running in the street. And they may say, ah, oh, the leash hurts my uh, belly. You may have to accept a little belly pain to keep the kid from getting knocked out, of, out, out, out the street by a car. Sometimes, as parents, you understand this. The problem is, do you understand it as a child? That sometimes God has to correct us, but it's always for our benefit. It's always for our good. And anytime he corrects, he puts us up on his shoulders and he keeps us so dear to him and so close to him until we've learned our lesson and we're ready to walk again. First thing the shepherd does is the shepherd, he, now say it like you mean it. First thing, the shepherd, four qualities of shepherd. Number one is that he, number two, he provides. Number three, he, number four, he protects. He guides, he provides, he corrects, he protects. This is the best thing about our shepherd. Look what it says here. Get to verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. How could you walk through? You're a sheep. You got no protection. You are not just out in the open. You are in the valley of the shadow of death. Yet you don't fear. How? Because watch. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Y'all know what anoint my head with oil means? Sheep are fascinating. Like, the more you read about sheep, the more you realize, like, it's fascinating. Like, here's the thing about sheep. is because they're disgusting and they're filthy, they attract lots of bugs. And what happens is, you know, like, when you, it's in the summer and you get a gnat, it goes in your eye. It's like, ah, the gnat in my eye. I get in and get the gnat out of my eye. Or in your ear, it's even worse. Okay, what they do for sheep is they go up their nose. Okay, and all these bugs go up the noses of sheep and disgusting insects. They go up the nose. And sometimes they go up and then they come back down. Sometimes they'll go up, they may go down here, and they'll come out the rear exit, okay? But sometimes they go up and they keep going north, and they end up in a sheep's brain. And when the bugs get in there in the sheep's brain, the sheep is like, like short circuit, like he's going crazy trying to get them out. And if they're there long enough, they'll lay eggs and like hatch stuff. And the sheep literally, it's literally like a short circuit, and they go crazy, and they'll start banging their head against rocks and walls, anything to try to get 
the bugs out of their brain. And to the point where some sheep will end up killing themselves if they can't get the, the thing out their brain. You know what anoint my head with oil is? It's not just spiritual. Oil was like insect repellent for sheep. The insects wouldn't go near the oil. So what does the shepherd say to the measly sheep where there are a dime a dozen and they're, they're worthless sheep and you have so many? He says, no, no, no. I call you by name. I anoint your head with oil to protect you so none of them bugs get inside you. And it says, my cup runs over. You know what my cup runs over means? It's a sign of the graciousness of God, the generosity of God, the kindness of God. There's a story about a certain priest who is not the most hospitable priest in his house. He's a nice guy. He's a good guy. But hospitality is just not his thing. Okay, like it's, everyone has different gifts. He likes people. He enjoys them. But in his house, like he likes people, he likes his house. Doesn't always like the intersection of the two. Okay, but it doesn't make him a bad guy. Okay, especially after 9 p.m. is about, or 10, whatever. I mean, there's other priests. Anyway, this priest had a very hospitable wife who is very hospitable. Okay, and there was a time where this hospitable wife had like a group of young girls that she would like invite over. It was like a little life group, small group kind of a thing. And this group would come over and they came over at night. And they ate the husband's Oreo cookies and like things like that. And, and like, so the husband liked the girls, but he wasn't always fond of, again, the intersection between home and people it wasn't always the best for him. So he had a sister. He would come home at night, especially like, you know, they've been there for a while and it's time for them to go. So he would, you know, start to tidy up, you know, even though he never cleans in the kitchen, he would tidy up the kitchen, turn off the lights and say, good night. You guys stay up as long as you want, but I'm going to bed, okay? Turn off the lights in the kitchen so that they see, like, okay, he's getting ready for bed. If that doesn't work, he had a special trick up his sleeve, which was called the air conditioning. And he would turn that bad boy down because no girls want to be sitting in the cold when the air conditioning is freezing. You know what it means when he says, my cup runs over? In Old Testament times, if you were to go to like a banquet, a fancy place, and I'm the host of the banquet, you sit down at the table. They had much clearer ways of telling you when it's time to get to go, and they need to turn on the air conditioner, turn off the lights. You had a cup in front of you, and when your cup ran low, I would tell the guy, refill him. And as long as there's there, it's hangout time. And then when it started to get low, and I'm ready for you to get to go, and I just basically say, don't refill him. And when your cup runs out, the door is that way. What does the good shepherd do to the sheep? Says, my cup runs over. What's that mean? Say, I ain't never turn off the lights. I ain't never turn down the AC. He says, as long as you want, cup runs over. And not just, not just full, but runs over. Meaning like, as soon as you take a sip, I pour like 15 more sips in. To tell you like, stay, stay, stay as long as you want. I want you here. You think you're happy when you're in the arms of the shepherd? The shepherd is more happy. Stay as long as you want. I'll protect you. You need oil, I'll get you oil. You need guidance, I'll give you guidance. You need protection, I'll give you protection. What is it you need? Sometimes you need correction. You may not ask for it, but trust me, you'll thank me for it. You stay as long as you want because you're my sheep. That's how good he is. That's how much he loves us. That's how giving he is. Our God is not just almighty. He's not just all-powerful. He's all-loving. 
And when Jesus said last week, I am the resurrection and the life, and no one, no one can do what I did, then we should be coming this week saying, all hail, all hail, we submit. He says, no, 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 come here. I'm not one of those kind of masters. I'm not one of those kind of gods. I don't want to be a dictator. Believe me, I got plenty of power. I don't need you to tell, like, I got plenty of that. This isn't a power grab. This isn't me just trying to, I'm telling you I'm a shepherd. And I'm telling you, me, my job as a shepherd is to give my life for the sheep. I'm almighty, but let's put that almighty on the shelf. Let me be all loving. Let me be all guiding. Let me be all protecting. He's the good shepherd. There's a bad shepherd. And the bad shepherd, who is the enemy of the good shepherd, who is Satan, who is the enemy and the adversary of all that is good and all of us, his God's children, will try to convince you that the shepherd is not good. And will try to convince you that the shepherd is not looking out 100% for your best interest. And will try to convince you that the shepherd will lead you to a place where there's no fun and no success and no prosperity and he's the fun police and he wants you to have no life. And none of that can be further from the truth. Because you know the very verse that was said when Jesus said, John chapter 10, verse 11, I'm the good shepherd and I lay down my life for the sheep. You know the verse right before that, which I didn't bring up on the screen? John 10, 10 is what? The thief does not come except to steal, kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. I have come that they may have life. And the thief will try to steal that life from you and try to tell you, no, 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 don't believe that shepherd. Don't go his way. Nothing could be further from the truth. If you want to know who our good shepherd is, I got you another verse right here from Luke 12, verse 32. It says, do not fear, little flock. You are the flock. We are the flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Nothing makes our good shepherd happier than to have his sheep and to protect his sheep, to guide his sheep, to give everything he has to the sheep. You know, sometimes people come and tell me, you know, that message that you preach, that was just for me. That was, the per- like, that was just for me. And that's good. Like that, that makes me happy. Like That's the best. But today was the first time I actually prayed that some people would be saying that. And the reason why I prayed that is because there's another story that Jesus told about a shepherd and sheep. And it was a shepherd who had 100 sheep. And it says that one of those sheep got lost. And it says that that shepherd left the 99 to go for that one. And my prayer for today was that some of those one sheeps, that there's some sheep here today who are like that one sheep. And I want, if you were thinking to yourself, Man, it sounds like Father Anthony's talking right to me. I am, but I'm not, but God is. The good shepherd is talking right to you. And the good shepherd has left all the other 99 sheep. And he's not talking to anybody else in this room except you, I promise you. There may be 100 people sitting in this room. He's not talking to the other 99. If you feel in your heart, I feel like he's talking to me, then he is talking to you because you're that one sheep that he left the 99 for your sake. And his message to you is simple. Come to me. Let me be your shepherd. You know why I said earlier that the picture of the good shepherd removes my stress in life? If I'm a sheep and I'm going from here to there, whose job is it to get me across the river? If the sheep doesn't make it across the river, who's responsible? Like, whose job is it? It's the shepherd's job, not the sheep's job. The shepherd's job is to lead me. My job is to obey the shepherd. And if I don't obey, yes, absolutely, there'll be consequences for not obeying, and I'm responsible for that. Don't don't think I'm saying that. But my point is, 
It's his responsibility to get me where I need to get to. It's not my responsibility to figure it out. It's not my responsibility to have the ability. It's my responsibility to trust in him and to lead, let him lead me one step at a time. And if I follow and I trust and I obey, there's no doubt that that good shepherd is going to take me to those greener pastures and in a place where I can only imagine and I can't even imagine exists. My hope and prayer today is that some souls here today would be like that lost sheep that comes back to the shepherd. You're feeling it's you? I'm telling you that it's you. Go back to the shepherd and tell him, I want that to be me. Let's stand up for a prayer together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this picture that you drew for us today. Lord, we all confess that all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way, and all of us have fallen and have strayed. And there's so many times where we lack guidance and we don't know what we're doing and we feel like, like really like sheep without a shepherd. But we know that you are the good shepherd and you came to give your life for the sheep. You came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, we're all praying with all our hearts that you would let us to be like good sheep in your flock. Help us to come back to your flock, especially those who may have strayed, those who are, who are far away. Like, confirm us in your flock and, and plant our feet so deep inside your flock. Even better, Lord, plant, plant us like on top of your shoulders or like in your hug. And let us live our whole life with that picture in our mind. You are a good shepherd. You are carrying us through life. We thank you for that, Lord, and we pray that you'd help us to be better sheep, more obedient sheep, more trusting sheep of our good shepherd who has given his life for us. We pray this in the name of your only begotten Son, our Lord, our God, our Savior, and our shepherd, Jesus Christ, with the intercessions and the prayers of all your saints. Hear us, Lord, as we pray thankfully. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, for mine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you all very much. Have a great week.